As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times, now with goals. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and in the studio this week, I am delighted to be joined by all these wonderful people who've taken time off from their busy, busy bank holiday Monday uh, to join us. We'll be looking at the Premier League, uh, telling you who's been relegated, in case you don't know, and we'll be picking our team and managers of the season. But obviously, we're going to start at the bottom of the table. And that's it. Hull City are relegated. And today really encapsulated their season. They gave it everything, but they couldn't score a goal. Today, Manchester United. Next season, Milton Keynes. Gutierrez. Oh, it's gone in. What a story. The man who battled cancer and came back to the club has scored the goal which will keep Newcastle United in the Premier League next season. Okay, so the scenario going into this riveting contest between Hull and Newcastle uh, was that Hull had to basically beat Manchester United and hope that Newcastle didn't win. Uh, Am I correct? Yeah, it's really complicated, Gab, but you (laughs) just about worked it out. Hull did not beat Manchester United, but it wouldn't have mattered because Newcastle, of course, won. I, I suppose there were there were jitters, but Newcastle really felt that they were going to go down, Allison. And more importantly, George Calkin tweeted a picture of a dead magpie, which he claimed to have found <laughs> inside his flat. It's out there on Twitter, Calkin the Times, one of the best followers out there. And he said, I hope it's not an omen. I've never found a dead magpie in any of my properties. That's because um, you're not English, Gab. Well... I think more likely George Culkin sacrificed the magpie as part of some kind of, of, of Geordie ritual and then tweeted it out to show the gods of football that the deed had been done. But the point is Newcastle from, from what we saw on television, it was jittery, but they missed a couple very open chances with Manuel Riviere and then later possibly the worst counterattack in the world through Vernon Anita, uh, who managed to mess up a four-on-one. But... It didn't matter. They went 2-0, and Conus is the hero of the day. Yeah. Well, I, you're making it sound like it was, wasn't that exciting. It, I was at Stamford Bridge, so I was hearing it through social media and Sky News and so on. It was set up to be exciting because John Carver had quite remarkably said before the match that he would, at half-time, deliberate on what the score was from Hull and act accordingly which has to be one of the more stupid managerial statements I've ever heard because there was no need for him to consider in any shape or form what was happening at Hull because if they win, they're safe. 
you, what's he going to do if he hears that it's nil nil one nil to Man United one nil to Hull? How is he going to how is he going to change what happens in his dressing room? So I thought it was all set up for him to actually screw it up by some sort of ridiculous treble substitution in the. I was 60th trying to work minute. out in my mind if there was a scenario where it made sense to do that sort of based on the score let's try to win have you not seen Newcastle recently if you've seen him play recently you probably understand where he's coming from well no but I'm, I'm guessing if, if if he hears at halftime that Hull are winning he pulls out all the stops and goes for the win if not he tries to preserve the draw well, which, where, it's just, which it's just, it's just dumb because, because there's another 45 minutes and things happen and what is it? What is he? What is he going to assume that if it's if it's one nil to Hull at half time, then it can't be two one to Man United at any point, or vice versa? It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever. Isn't heard. it usually the case that people say you try to drown out what's happening at a and other grounds or wherever it is, and just concentrate on your game? That's what usually well, happens, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. That's what they say. But we can ask somebody who's actually been there and tell us. Yeah. Scott, you, have you ever been yeah. in those situations yeah. where? Yeah. And what happens? Did you want to know, or did you? Well, <clears throat> you, you don't get a choice because a crowd will let you know. If there's a goal goes in, you'll hear a massive cheer, you'll hear uh, the groans, you'll hear everyone going quiet, you'll probably hear the away fans start. Could you actually hear fans? Did you have people in the crowd saying, hey, Scully, like, you need to <laughs> get off your butt? We're, you know, they're, they're winning yeah, 2 I've heard that as well. Um, <laughs> no, you, you will hear, especially at St James's Park and at Hull, I think when Newcastle scored yesterday, I think the Man United fans let the Hull fans know, so you don't need a, a radio, or you, you, you know. There was a Would cheer. You, there was a cheer at the KC stadium. Erroneous well. cheer, if there could yeah. be such a thing. So you, you don't. If you're a player, you don't really. Have you ever been in a situation where you got instructions to play accordingly based on the score elsewhere? Because there are situations where it actually yeah, makes there sense. Is, yeah, yeah. So. no, there is situations. Go back to that classic Alan Ball. I, I've though, been right? in several last day. You know, staying up, getting into playoffs promotion. You know, where it's literally gone down to the wire. But Alison's right. You've got to go and win the game of football. You. you if you start worrying about other people, especially as a manager, I can't believe he's come out and said that. That just shows you've got no faith in your team beforehand. Go and win your game of football. Look after yourself. I think he had a nerve, to be honest, John Carver, to look so blooming delighted with the result. He took over when they had mid-table obscurity and absolutely nothing to play for. And by some remarkable feat, he engineered a situation where he does he actually think because they avoid relegation on the very last day that makes him some sort of saviour. Ridiculous. I don't think he thinks that, does he? I mean, I, I, I've never met the man, but... I cowered a bit when they, they were off celebrating the, when the goals went in because there was this 50-year-old bloke. He looked like a pitch invader. You, you know, you're the coach. You, yeah. you know, you're meant to be in charge of these guys. I know it's hard to get excited, but you can still be excited and punch yet on the sidelines. But he was, like, in there in the middle. And I thought, that's kind of half the problem. He, he has to make up his mind. If you want to be coach... Or do you want to be the chief cheerleader of this team, really? Uh, and he can't, he can't decide which wants to be. And the cheerleader thing basically didn't work. So uh, I think the sooner Mr Carver goes back to being supposedly the good coach that everyone kind of says he is, or a lot of people say that he is, or, well, hopefully he goes back to doing that. I don't want to see him just jettison from that club because that might just break him. But. Mike Ashley, uh, and we were talking about this earlier, Scully, uh, he says he, he issued a statement where I guess he said he, he's not going to sell the club until they win something. Should we pay any attention to what this man says? No, because if someone came in with a ridiculous offer, which they won't do, I'm sure he would sell. He's a businessman, isn't he? You know, people buy football clubs as a businessman to ultimately make money. I thought it was a strange interview at a strange time because if it would have gone horribly wrong, he'd have had egg, egg on his face this morning, wouldn't it? I'm, I'm here until we win and you in the championship today. Maybe he was planning that and then he was going to win the championship next year. And Maybe he could have won maybe. the playoff final, couldn't he? Yeah. And got a trophy. And, and then he could have sold the club. 
Well, he said the, just the, the, thing to say. the first corollary to that was, and it was not, perhaps he just got his uh, champion words mixed up because the first thing he talked about was, and I mean, uh, winning a place in the Champions League was the one he kind of mentioned. Yeah. As you say, if we'd have ended up being in the championship, that's... Yeah, well, it's not going to happen, is it, with them getting uh, the championship for many... I think Alan Shearer on Match of the Day last night summed up as well. He said it's a good speech, but what he also has to do, stop selling his best players, stop sacking managers. You know, Newcastle went 18 months without buying a player. So it's all right coming and saying this, but his track record at the moment speaks for itself. Other than Sissoko, I mean, Ayosa Perez, I suppose, um, but... Cruel. Come on, now. Really? You think there's a big market for, no. for Cruel? I don't, but I'm sure he could get money for him if they, if they wanted to sell him. Um, but no, I agree. They, they haven't. I saw him at QPR last week, and, and it was painful watching them. Um, really just had no spirit, no team bonding. They literally collapsed like a pack of cards. And I think another two weeks, if the season would have gone another two weeks, I think they would have ended up in the championship. But let's, mm. let's analyse why he spoke. He never speaks, and he chose to speak. Um, I think you can make a strong case for saying and taking some comfort from it if you're a Newcastle supporter because their main problem with supporters has been that Ashley doesn't seem to care at all. It's it's just another business to him and he, he, he gets perverse pleasure out of uh, making a profit and not winning hearts, minds, points, etc. But it sounded to me like he might have some pride. He might want to leave a legacy. He might want to, to, to eventually leave Newcastle Football Club having given them something like a top four finish or a trophy and if if that's true if there is a a soul to the man where he wants to be part of an era which did win something then they could with his money they could invest and get a good manager and do something surely there's a positive from him speaking like this way isn't there he could he could make that speech at <laughs> any time i want to talk about hull they're going down this was a team which had a set a pretty pretty big net spend in the last couple of years I sort of felt like I, I, I was sure they were going to go down last season and they didn't prove me wrong. Did they leave much of a mark this year other than the fact that they signed Robertson and we saw that he's actually a pretty useful player? And Okay, anything? The dignity of the manager. I think he, 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 he steered a fairly uh, clever line between protecting his players and speaking fondly of the fans and um, the, the whole thing about the whole Tigers and the animosity from the fans towards the owner because he wants to bring that name change in. He kept reminding well, people that apart from that, now, right? apart, well, we don't know yet, but apart from that, the message Bruce conveyed very well, I thought, was that's just one aberration. That's just one thing the owner wants to do. Otherwise, he has invested heavily in the club. If he decided to turn his back on the club now, they would be in massive debt. They, they need him in a financial sense. He's just slightly eccentric about the name change. Yeah, that, you've made a good point. There. That's why the one rule I would bring in is what you said there. Like, well, but if you turned his back on them, they'd be in massive debt. Don't allow owners to put run up money debt. in run up debt for players. And you know, if you want to buy players, you put your own money in. Yeah. You can only run up debt for infrastructure and you know stadiums, things that actually have some kind of value. You know, Gab, there's so many clubs, so many owners that do that. They they come along. They put very little money in themselves. They run up a big debt, put it up against a football club, so the club owes them. It should never be allowed to happen in a million years. Now, now, like you say, Hull now are sort of desperate, a bit like Cardiff with Vincent Tan, 
you know, one, right, okay, I want my £150 million. You're never going to recover. Clive, do you have something positive to say? About, no, not really. The, the, oh, come on. I, I don't, enjoy, I, I enjoy. Spend... That was good, right? We enjoyed seeing him, yeah. Aluko gave us some moments as Aluko well. Aluko gave us some moments. I mean, they've got, but actually, not enough moments because I think as you, you pick those guys out, Endoy, Aluko, and they suffered with injuries. If Jelovic, who started brightly enough, if those guys had been on the metal and scored more goals, ultimately, those guys are not scoring enough goals is what's dragged them into this. I quite um, like Brady, the left winger. There's not a lot of stardust, I have to say. As no, much that's as that's what they get relegated, don't they? That, yeah, that, that's, that's half the problem. I can't think of anything that you you try and. Have you seen the Twitter Steve Bruce weddings? <laughs> <laughs> Seen that gap? Yes. Yeah, I have. It is, it is quite funny. Is anybody fussed if Hull City come back? Like, do you, is this a team you want to see back because of the fans, or you want to see this no, the re- resolution not, of the name? They're not part of the tradition really of care? the top flight, are they? They don't really belong in the Premier League. No, I'm not. Right? I'm not saying that, but they're, they're, it's not like it's not like <laughs> it's I grew up with them. Belo- it's, it's not, not like I grew up belong. with them being yeah. part of my fixture list. Yeah. Let's put it that way. So go back where you'll be gone. No, Belong no, little people. No, no that but that's sense. why there's no emotion It worked well at Eton, right? For many years, they only had people um, who, whose, whose grandparents and stuff had gone there. So, Gab, I know, think the three teams really that are getting relegated will all struggle to come back up, from what I can see. I think QPR, can't see QPR rebounding back. I don't think it will happen for Hull. Burnley, well, Hull, Danny. Hull might. I mean, as I say, they just need... They just want... They need to find some championship goal scorers. I think if they can keep... Have you seen many clubs some in the last guys. five years have actually returned from getting uh, That is difficult, I must admit. But, I mean, perhaps, well, I don't know, Norwich are Premier they, they kept the, the core of their kind of premiership squad and have West a chance Brom. of going up West Brom. I think if they, they've got enough, they've just got to try and keep what they've got and then perhaps just get some goals in there and perhaps... Depending on would you keep Steve Bruce, Bruce, I guess. Team in the would you? Yeah, but I can't because they haven't gone down. You're saying can they come back up again? Hey, hey, well, they can. If, if you were the owner, would you would you go to Bruce and say, "Listen, Steve, you know we like you. You've been here a while. We gave you a contract because we have faith in you. But the reality is, we're down. You're going to have to work under a much tougher set of circumstances now because of Championship financial or Football League financial fair play and and all this jazz. And if you leave, you'll be." first in line the next time somebody else in the Premier League gets sacked probably or close to first in line because a lot of people like you and seem to think that you know you're an affable guy and a good manager do you not think that and you'd be, be doing me a favor because I'd be saving myself some money it won't be because you have to sack him if you say that to him but might it not if you're Bruce might it not be in your interest I mean rather than sticking around will it will it not depend on what his clause is in his contract yeah okay I would like to think that not everybody especially somebody who's a millionaire many times over like Steve Bruce is going to sit there and count every last penny and he's going to be all miserly and stingy and and scroogey right I mean maybe because mm-hmm. will you like that as a player Hey, you, so you project that on Steve Bruce? It's not fair to play that back to me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I am suggesting. So you think you should Bruce, say, oh, no, £2 million payoff. No, no, no. That, yeah, I'll put that in your... I said, I'm not suggesting Steve Bruce should resign, but I am saying, like, if you're in his position, in his career trajectory, might it actually make sense? You know you're going to be in line for a Premier League job next year. You're a Premier League manager. I think you've yeah. proved that over time. Do you want to go with a club that's going to have difficulties? And if they come to you, might it be... Well, come October, come October, else. if they're mid-table of the championship, which usually is what happens to clubs that come out of the, the Premier League, and it takes them a, a while to adjust, well, his stock is not nearly as high as what you said if he resigned. But then, you know, there'll be a few managers now. Sam Allardyce, he'll be out of work. Steve Bruce could be out of work. Harry Redknapp's out of work. Well, you mentioned Allardyce. Let's get to him. Um, I'd completely forgotten about this because I kind of took it as a done deal. 
Your friends, the uh, pornographers who own the club, in a very, very classy way, Allison, uh, I think just a few minutes after West Ham's game, um, announced that Sam Allardyce won't be back. Was it really necessary to, or was it just kind of actually pretty childish to go and issue the statement immediately after the game? Well, they were just taking ownership of it, weren't they? Because uh, it was quite clear that Sam Allardyce was going to announce it himself. So they had to get in first by doing it as soon as the final whistle went. So it's just about... Why? looking keeps you looking like you're the ones in charge. They've got to, they've got to recruit somebody who's classy now, somebody <laughs> who's a bit special. They've, they've bowed to, to fan pressure... So they've, they've got to be really careful who they appoint because they can't appoint someone like Steve Bruce who will be perceived as another type of Sam Allardyce. They've got to, for some reason, it's got to be somebody much, much younger, so he's the opposite of Allardyce, who's 60, or foreign, opposite in terms of nationality, and with a touch of glamour. And it, it probably won't matter much, but they're probably thinking, well, if, if we look like Sam Allardyce didn't even want to stay and he gets in first with his... Saki comments, it just doesn't help them recruit. They want to look like it's their decision and they've got a plan going forward that involves the Olympic Stadium and it's not just about next season, it's about the next 20 seasons. That, If you're asking me why they were so keen to issue a statement, I would suggest that was why. Uh, you're spot on, Alison. It was a race to sort of who could get it out first, wasn't it? And if you're owners of a football club, you need to be seeing that you're in charge and you're the ones making the decision. Right, I, I will put you all on the spot now. And I will ask you, in turn, Clive, you can go last. If you get a call after we step out of here from uh, one of the two Davids and says, like, Allison, who should we pursue to replace Big Sam? Because I don't think Rafa's coming now. He's going to some other piddly club. Who would it be? Because I think they want the fans on side, I think they'll go for Slavin Village. Well, they're in a tough position, aren't they? Because West Ham is a, a tough club to play for, manage, etc., etc. Where, where's actually, you know, if you look at the spectrum, how high could they get? Mid-table is almost, you know, can they get close to the top, top six? I don't think so. I think you need to go for someone who knows the Premier League, knows West Ham. So not Eddie Howe? No, Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp, bring back Harry. All right, that's your suggestion. Clive? I can't actually think of a net. I agree with what James said, actually. I think at this precise point, I'm trying to think desperately of a, a name that would fit who's kind of available, but one kind of escapes me and, but that's exactly what they do need I mean their, their prime objective at this at this moment in time is just to make sure they're in the top flight when they hit that new stadium um, Is Redknapp even a viable option given his knee injury? <laughs> He's got another one he'll hobble there if we pay him <laughs> enough he'll find his, his other one works perfectly well Alright West Ham fans they should keep us busy for a while Juve and there's Crouch who scores against his former club his 47th headed goal in the Premier League, and that is an outright record. Brendan Rodgers thinks it's an outright disgrace. His team have been woeful today. Meanwhile, from uh, West Ham to uh, Stoke, I think I'm right in saying this is their highest ever finish so in the Premier League. Brendan Rodgers. What? Brendan Rodgers, go for him. He has a job. Much what about Sparky? All the others have got a job. What yeah. about Sparky? What if, what if you tried to, to, to lure Mark Hughes away? Yeah. I know that a lot of people don't like him, but goodness me, what, he, what they've done at Stoke the last two seasons, is he going to get some respect? Should he publicize? Should he be more of a self-publicist? No, you're being sarcastic. Mm. No, I'm, I'm being serious. You don't, what, you, what on earth are you talking about? You don't need to be a publicist, a self-publicist. Your results 
speak for themselves. Performances and results speak for themselves, and the the atmosphere in a stadium and all that is rather gorgeous. So if they so, did, Mark Hughes would would have been in the running for Manager of the Year, certainly, right? I mean, I think anybody only ever mentioned three names for Manager of the Year, right? Mourinho, and well, obviously they won the title. Kuman and Gary Monk. Who's done better, Gary Monk? I mean, it's, it's, it's Monk and Kuman. Nigel Pearson. Come on, your I, mate Alan Pardew. I have have Monk and Kuman. Yeah, well. But, but that's precisely my point. Those are two people who are in the media spotlight. What's the issue with Mark Hughes? Why I, I feel like maybe he doesn't quite get enough respect or as much respect as he should. Well, because it's, it's all about the journey. He didn't take over an ailing club. He took over a club that was incredibly stable and he uh, tried to make them play slightly prettier football. You spent the last three or four years on the podcast, Gab, telling me how much money had been invested in Stokes players and anything that Tony Pulis achieved really wasn't that exciting because there was an expensively assembled squad. Mm -hmm. Mark Hughes wasn't given a big budget. That was partly because that was the terms on which he was taken on at the club. And the small amount of money he did have, he spent wisely, and he has... The, I think one of the reasons he, he, he could be under consideration for an award is he did the clever thing, which, which was he didn't try and reinvent Stoke. He took everything that was good that Tony Pulis had left, but just added a bit to it, just enough to that little bit of extra flair, okay. which gets you an extra goal and a bit more. I humbly going. disagree. I think they played different football than they did under un, under Pulis. I think they have different players in different positions. I I don't know that players like Arnautovic or, or, or Boyan... Um, would have flourished under Pulis. I don't think Pulis would have ever signed somebody like Peters, for no, example. He didn't, he didn't do that in two weeks. That's been a gradual shift in his takeover. Yes, and he did it, and he did it on a very limited budget. After, yeah. after Tony Pulis has given Stoke a wonderful platform, isn't he? To build yeah, it's a wonderful Hughes. Wilson Palacios platform. Said, Come on, we talk about like you know because you mentioned like oh, but he benefited from Pulis's big spending. Pulis spent it on different players, right? He spent a lot of the money on guys. Charlie Adam is. One of Stoke's players of the season. That's not a Mark that's Hughes. Okay. That's not a Mark Hughes appointment. That's why Mark Hughes is, is a clever manager because okay. he didn't like Brendan Rodgers did come in and look at Charlie Adam and think, "Oh my God, you've got to go now. You don't fit my model." Mark Hughes realised there are things about Charlie Adam that are marvellous, and you keep him in the team, and then he does what he does this season. That's why he's a clever manager. That's a natural segue since you dropped Brendan Rodgers' name in there. I'm assuming people want to talk about him. Um, Clive, this is Liverpool's heaviest defeat since 1963 the mighty Spurs um, exactly it's the first time they concede five goals in the game since the early 1930s in a half in uh, a half sorry Rogers went into the game saying he was 150% certain that he would be the Liverpool manager next season and after the game he said something which I, I don't know if he just has a, a penchant for for saying silly things but saying that well do you, think? Do you reckon <laughs> VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> what, what does he mean when he says... If they sack if me, they, well, if, they, if, they, if they ask me to, if, they, if, the, if the owners ask me, I thought I saw that and thought that's mighty big of you, Brendan. So you know, he's uh, not so going to chain himself to the, the, yeah, the Shankly Gates. And... So like you know, it was. You'll have to drag me kicking and screaming out of it. You'll never take me alive. Or yeah, yeah. If the owners ask you to go, Brendan, yeah, you're going to have to go. I mean, that just that was just in the most a fool would sack Brendan Rodgers based on this game, no. even though he he played weirdo lineup. Um, which I really didn't understand, and they were terrible, right? If you are going to sack him, it's because of his body of work throughout the season and because you don't think that the team are moving forward. And if you keep him, it's because you see little green shoots somewhere. So this game shouldn't matter, right? So why the turnaround? Why doesn't he come out and still say, I'm still 150% confident of it? I mean, we don't really believe that John W. Henry is going to make a decision based on this game, do we? No, no. I presume it's just the severity of that game, the absolutely appalling display that they put in in that game, and the, the noise surrounding it beforehand, of, you know, the, the whole Sterling issue of you know, him not being picked. Um, he was on the bench. He was in the wrong state of mind to play, but he was in the right state of mind to be on the bench. To be on the bench. It's, it's, it's all that noise around Liverpool at the moment. It's not just this game. It's certainly 6-1 when all this is going, going on and you're trying to convince everybody that you really are the man for the, the job. And especially, after, especially you've just come out and said, you know, I'm 150% confident I'll still be here. I'm the best man to get the best out of these players. Uh, and the statements beforehand of, you know, you spend 100 million, you should be challenging for the title. We, we shouldn't, you shouldn't be going back to being seventh or whatever it was after finishing second the season before. That's where Liverpool are at the moment, and that's why there's so much. I don't think, I honestly don't think they will get rid of him on, well, certainly not on the strength of this. Of this. That would be the most ridiculous knee jerk reaction going. Basically, this is, what, seventh place, second place? Sixth place? Yeah, it's very similar to his first season in charge, isn't it? And then, to be fair to him, he turned it round in spectacular style the following season. If you are going to sack a manager, now is the time to sack. So, you, you, so would you? Yeah, I probably would do, actually. But if you're going to if you're going to change your manager, now is the time to do it. So you can come in the summer, you've got a couple of months to, to go into the transfer market, establish your target. Or to let the committee go in the transfer market. Well, whoever. Yeah. And then you've got a good six, seven weeks to work with your team in pre-season. So you can hit the ground running, hopefully at making your mark on it. You know, To do it in October, November time, you're just getting somebody in who hopefully can motivate yeah. the players. Yeah, a little bit, season. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't suggest for a minute you sack someone just on the basis of one result. But I do think it's a more significant match than you might imagine. I think if you've, if you've got... Sorry, sorry Alison, if you look at last week's Crystal Palace at I was going to say, well, was gonna say it's a combination of the two because yeah. both games were in their own way a goodbye to Steven Gerrard and if you cannot motivate a team to give a club icon a send-off if you, if you are incapable of getting them to play football to give him a send-off 
You're not a very good manager. So, Alison, would, would you... Let me give that a lot of thought. Yes, I'd get rid of him. <laughs> it becomes complicated, uh, like a vicious circle, because I think the fact that they appointed Rodgers indicated a lack of understanding about what Liverpool is. It, it sort of demoted them, because Rodgers was nowhere near ready to take on a club of the stature of Liverpool, unless you assume Liverpool are less than they were, and you're going to plot this convoluted path where you you only buy players because the you value them ahead of what they're going to be you don't take them on board now because they've got something you want now you're planning always planning ahead always looking for good value they should have a a manager a sort of manager that would make Jose Mourinho wake up in the middle of the night and worry about what he's going to do next and Brendan Rodgers is not he's he's, a, he's someone who's still learning you know he got the job with his dossier he's he's got no aura he's got no medals to show players he's got you know, when, when Ronald Koeman came to Southampton, they were in an absolute mess, and he was just able to sit down with all the players who were all very worried. They were all very worried, and they said, we're not happy, we're not happy at all. And he said, just trust me. And they thought, well, actually, you're Ronald Koeman. OK, we will trust you. All right. Now, you've been all asked to prepare your team of the season. In keeping with past seasons, we will first establish a formation. Then uh, you will give me your nomination for the positions. If we all agree, there's nothing to discuss. 4-2-3-1 okay. has to be, doesn't it? Are you happy with 4-2-3-1? Clive, you good with 4-2-3-1? Yeah, let's you go with 4-2-3-1. Fit these people who you haven't thought of it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Alison, we'll begin with you because you're the most organized. Uh, your goalkeeper, please. Radical choice, De Gea. Scully? David De Gea. Yeah, 3-3. All right, easy there. Alison? Yes? Your right-sided defender. Ivanovic. Gotta be. Scully? I'll go for Ivanovic as well. <laughs> That's the first name that jumped into my head to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Klein, Trippier, no? Yeah, there's no. lots of great. Yeah, there's lots of, lots of, of great yeah, there's lots of other right backs, yeah, but I think adding goal scoring as well, you've got to, you've got to give it to him, haven't you? Alison, your two centre backs. Okay, Font and Terry. Do I have to explain why? No, you have to. Okay, you only obviously. need to explain Font if there's a discrepancy. Terry, okay. And since Scoey's agreeing with everything you're saying, who are your two <laughs> centre backs? He's a former teammate of mine, Jose Font, and he's. Yeah, go on, I'll, I'll go over that. I think he's had a very good season. And who's your other one? John Terry, I think. Um, <laughs> your left back Bertrand 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 Cresswell Cresswell actually yeah Cresswell is the correct answer no, honourable no, mention no, no it's not Aspiliqueta <laughs> what no why have you gone what? for Aaron Cresswell <laughs> because he's a young up and coming English lad yeah, he's, he's, he's hammer of the year good. played every single minute mm. exactly yeah. Your two central midfielders, Alison. Wow. Okay, I know I'm not going to get far with this, but um, Coquelin and Fabregas. I'm going to go Fabregas and Dali Blind. Uh, can I say Dali Blind was so good in that position that he moved them to left back? Okay. Just to so that there's no bias, and I like a good story, I'm going to throw in Coquelin too because it was a good story that emerged. And I'm going to say, can we say Matic in that position? You can say Matic. I think we all agree on Sas Fabregas uh, for the other position. It's Morgan Schneiderlin, because you guys are all wrong. No, 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 no. You, no, you just can't. You've you got to. There's two. There's two votes for Coquelin. We and cannot have Coquelin. Okay. This is one change vote your, for change your blind selection to Matt. No, you said Matic. I said Matic. He said Matic. Matic. There you go. He said Matic and Coquelin. We're not having. All right, no, and I'm know. saying Matic. <laughs> My, my, my attacking three? Do you want them in a three? In a yes, trio? let's have it in a three. No, okay. actually, no, wait. To preserve the suspense, let's do the centre forward first. Kane. Scoring? Um, it'd be out of Aguero, Costa, Kane, and Falcao. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will go because I'm hoping he will be at Old Trafford come August, and I think there's a chance he could be Harry Kane. 
the the forward story of the season is Harry Kane by that any a poor team as well, Clive. In, in a better <laughs> average team, uh, in a, the saviour of a team, man, he wasn't even near a team before Christmas and ends up with that many goals deserves every credit going to it alright well done Harry Kane you are our official selection now your line of three behind the striker ok they're quite interchangeable which is partly why I like them Willian, Cazorla and Hazard I'm going for Sanchez, Rooney and Hazard I'm going to show some more Tottenham bias here because I can uh, I'm going to say Ericsson, Cazorla and Hazard ok so Hazard is unanimous and I agree with him now, Santi Cazorla, two of you chosen. He did spend some time playing a little bit deeper, um, but that's okay. You guys are still sure you... Well, that's one of the reasons I, I admire him. It doesn't matter where he plays. He just gives it everything. He's always available for the pass. I mean, he's obviously very creative. Put him left back then. No, not, I haven't seen him in defence, but anywhere else on the pitch, he's very good. Very good. Always, always, never sulks about where he's played. And where he does play, he plays it very well. I always wondered about a guy like that. Like, if you put him on a team where the guys he's passing to were all rubbish and couldn't control the ball, would he look a lot would worse? He look a lot worse? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I love Cathola, but I always got to get struck yeah. by this. And our third option, Willian, Rooney, Alexis Sanchez, or Christian Eriksen. Can we just get rid of Willian because that one was just not really serious right no it was serious because if I was a Chelsea fan I'm not but if I was a Chelsea fan I'd probably vote for him as my player of the season when Chelsea ever had, had Terry, Nazar, no that's, that's I know that's the Costa, weird thing but Coutoir, no but Ivanovic. because there's a different I think a different uh, set of criteria come into play when you're a fan of a club whenever Chelsea's energy levels dipped and or just their aesthetics dipped he was the one that got them going he was his, his energy and relentlessness mm. all yeah. over the pitch he, he was like Whirling dervish of a just kept them going. I liked. I liked. Considering, I'll forgive him for changing his mind and not running around at White Hart Lane. There was an image you kind of had of William of just being that sort of he'll just stay up there and get the ball and try and do trickery. His, his work rate is quite remarkable. Yeah. He doesn't have much trickery that he can do, and when he passes yeah. the ball, it's. I mean, maybe he just doesn't look like a tremendous passer but because kind of he's on a team with Oscar Hazard and. What Sass, you wouldn't associate with him is the as as Alison said is the amount he actually does for. The, that entire team. And he doesn't have the tricks, but he has he has the correct wavelength. Yeah. So he knows he knows when to give Hazard the ball or Oscar the ball or the more tricksy players. He doesn't he doesn't ruin the move by not knowing what to do next. Have they convinced you that Willian is a better choice than Alexis Sanchez and Wayne Rooney? No. Yeah. No, thank you. I didn't say it was better choice than the like, Sanchez. Do you want to argue with Ericsson? Ericsson's kind of like the anti Willian, isn't he? He, yeah, yeah, very much, yeah. But there's another guy who, uh, uh, amazingly, was seen, probably was seen as being quite... People questioned whether he was big or strong enough to combine that sort of role in the, in the Premier League. And actually, he played one of the most, you know, number of minutes in that Tottenham team in the end, even, even through the Europa League and everything. I don't think, as much as Kane took all the plaudits and simply say Mason came through as well, I think... Spurs wouldn't have been anything like they were without Ericsson either. Yeah, I agree with that. He's a bit too quiet, though, isn't he? Just so you guys know, there's no, there's, you don't have a single player from the team that finished second in the Premier League in this lineup, nor will you have one. Alexis Sanchez? Yeah, I, I would Never like really turns it on against the big clubs, does yeah, he? Yeah, that's true. Who do you want more on your team, Rooney or Sanchez? He's looking at James Scowcroft. I know, and I'm thinking. Um, I would give Rooney the nod. Okay. Let's have Alexis Sanchez then. Uh, <laughs> no, because I'm sorry, I don't think Rooney had a great season. Why don't you tell me that five minutes ago <laughs> if I was thinking? Well, just... 
So this is the official team of the year, and it's better than past teams of the year because it doesn't have Rory's input. In goal, David De Gea, your back four, Branislav Ivanovic, John Terry, Font and Cresswell, West Ham representing, Cesc Fabregas and Nemanja Matic in midfield, Alexis Sanchez, Santi Cazorla, and Eden Hazard. And then uh, up front, it's Kerry Kane. Sorry. Can we all can we all give a wild card? Yes. Our soft spot, the one that we knew wouldn't get in the team, but we really enjoyed watching the most. Mine's Gilfie Sigurdsson. As much as I admire Harry Kane, it's, it's very difficult to ignore the actual golden boot when you says get your Man City player in there, it would have to be Aguero. It, it should be Aguero, yeah. yeah. Um, Phil Jones. Stop it. <laughs> I'd actually go for Ericsson at Spurs. And I will choose two Swansea City midfielders who I believe are better than Gilfie Sigurd- Sigurdsson. And they are <laughs> Key and John Joe Shelby. Yeah, they've they had a great season too. That's the whole thing. It's a whole secret is those three guys. Manager of the season. Let's see. Ronald Koeman, Yay. Louis van Gaal. <laughs> I'm not going to Gary Monk. No. Okay, Alison. Yes. Quickly, please. Okay, Ronald Koeman, because even if Southampton had it. barely... He's the winner. It's obvious. ...escaped relegation, he would Scully. still be manager. you got the good manager is someone who gets the very best out of his players. So if you look at the whole 20 teams of Premier League, I'm going to go for Nigel Pearson. I'd have to say Gary Monk for a man who started off... No, look, a man who started off being one of the favourites to not even be in the job at the end of the season would be the first to lose his job, took a team, no, did, were never lower than 10th all season for a team of that size and that, that scope. So right. I get the tiebreaker, funny that, and I choose Ronald Koeman. So we're all decision. set. Honourable mention to Jose Mourinho. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> Time now for some quick hits. Spurs win at Everton and finish the season in fifth place. Five fewer points than last year, but hey, last season you had the benefit of having two guys uh, managing the club, whereas this year it was Pochettino all by himself. Clive, is this forward progress or is it just because Liverpool just bite the big one that you guys finish fifth? Carrie Kane saves it from being just a completely average, you know, that's where it happens. We're five points down, but we're one place up. The bonus for Tottenham is they get a, Tottenham players is they get a few weeks extra holiday because they don't have to go through that qualifying period. But we're just, it's just the end of the usual cycle of for Tottenham Hotspur, isn't it? Because now we're going to that summer cycle, but if we're going to keep the manager, therefore it's time to change the players. So but it's. Then again, yeah, as a club, you're making enormous profits. You have a low wage bill yeah, and you yeah. make money to transfer. You finish where we're supposed know, to be. There we go. You're and we Lewis is them. happy. There you go. Great. Theo Walcott makes his first start in two months and he gets to play centre forward and he scores a hat-trick. Scully, problem solved for Arsenal. Is he really a striker? Is he really like just like a new signing? Or should they just snap the hand off of anyone who comes in with a serious offer and show him the DVD of this game and say, please take him away? Um, I think his best position probably is as a, a striker. The problem he's got is... On another is... team? Sorry? On another team? No, for Arsenal. I think Arsenal would be silly to lose him. Um, I think his best position is down the middle, but the problem Theo's got, like a lot of centre-forwards got now, is most teams only play one up front, so half the centre-forwards are now redundant. Um, so when in the big games, when you need a platform, someone to hold the ball up and link play, I don't think he can do it. Chelsea beat Sunderland 3-1, but the highlight is Didier Drogba getting substituted inside of the half-hour mark and being carried off the field by his teammates. Alison, um, was this a fitting farewell? Was it a bit weird? And was it more appropriate farewell than the one Frank Lampard got in his last appearance at Stamford Bridge? Well, I think I'm glad you mentioned Frank Lampard because I think that is why the farewell to Drogba was a bit over the top. There was an element of we've got to do it properly. We kind of screwed up with Frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it felt really peculiar when they carried him off and everyone in the press box was looking at each other and going, what? Ooh, don't like this. It, 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 
I, I don't know. Really? Is it necessary? I mean, I thought it was everyone spontaneous. knows everyone. It was not spontaneous. It was, it was so planned. They asked Dick Advocates permission to do it. You know, it looked to me even as like the Sunderland fans. They started trooping. The Sunderland players started trooping over, and they were going for drinks. But a lot of guys stood around. It looked to me like they thought they were like they were considering giving a guard of honor, which I thought would have been really over the top. Well, it wouldn't have happened if the match had meant anything. Clearly. Speaking of Lampard, he scored in his final Premier League game. Well, final Premier League game until New York City FC loan him back at the end of August. Uh, Clive, you want to take a moment to evaluate a remarkable career? Given um, that he played for West Ham and Chelsea. And, and Chelsea. Who spurred <laughs> Yeah, we love them. You're yeah. best placed. Not wishing to hold that against him. There are enough things to hold a, that are held against Frank Lampard. And... Um, a man who has made, undoubtedly made, the 100% maximum of the talents he's actually got to win more balls outside of Man United players, more trophies than most people would ever imagine. So congratulations to him for that. And it's, he's kind of always going to be inextricably linked with the kind of that golden generation thing and, and being compared with Gerard And actually not as good a player as Gerard, but still, for being at the top of his game and winning all that stuff for, uh, entirely in the Premier League with kind of one club, yeah. Uh, I, I applaud Frank Lampard. I'll be really curious to see if he'll be given a chance to contribute something to England a few years down the line. Can we just big up Rio Ferdinand as well, Gab as well, who's probably retired yesterday, who's no one's mentioned whatsoever and has had an equally good career. Okay, a big shout to Rio Ferdinand, who, uh, who of course suffered um, really tough times for his family this season and, uh, and is also leaving the game. And a great career. Tremendous career, tremendous servant to the game. And Frank Lampard's contemporary at West Ham. Yeah. Manchester United won't be making Radamel Falcao's loan permanent. Scoey, I bet you're absolutely shocked. Can you just tell me, what are your top three or four transfer priorities by position this summer? Harry Kane, centre no, no, forward. No, you don't have to mention names. <laughs> I know you're obsessed with Harry Kane. Just by position. Centre forward, goalkeeper, centre half, midfield, left midfield, right midfield. <laughs> Left back, right back. Left back. No, 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 Shaw will come yeah, good. Shaw will be right, yeah. right back, Klein, he'll be there. So, only need eight or nine. We'll be all right. Well done. Season of progress. Now, we're taping this just as Norwich and uh, Middlesbrough kick off in the big, exciting championship uh, playoff. But uh, since y'all seem to love playoffs so much, let's talk about the two other ones. Preston are back in the championship after beating Swindon in the League One playoff final. And Phil Brown South End overcame Gareth Ainsworth's Wickham Wanderers to advance to League One. Alison, I'm sure, though, rather than talking about the games, uh, you'd rather talk about what happened between these two, Gareth and Phil, during the shootout. Yeah. Um, and why well, it was so touching. Who, who knew it was possible to make a penalty shootout itself less dramatic by what was happening on the touchline? Because I sort of got obsessed because there was a bit of a love-in and they were sort of hugging each other as each penalty went in and each manager would congr congratulate the other one if one of their teams scored. It was a bit it was a bit soppy. And then I wondered, oh my goodness, when when the winning penalty or missing penalty happens to seal promotion, will the manager who's won forget that this is a love in and just sort of push him to one side and run onto the pitch. But fortunately they were very calm and they kept the love in going. I'm not sure I want this to be a trend in football, but it was fascinating while it unfolded. I've got a question for you, Gab. Oh, thank you. Um, interesting times. 
<laughs> Interesting times at Real Madrid. Ancelotti's leaving, uh, and the rumour is that Rafa Benitez is the man to replace him. Discuss. Yeah, uh, apparently Ancelotti is, in fact, uh, out, although there's been no confirmation of it yet. They haven't uh, found the time to tell him, I guess. Um, Rafa Benitez has come out, and he's let it be known that he's not going to be discussing anything with Real Madrid until the City A season is over, so that's going to be another week. The reaction from a lot of the fans has been pretty negative to uh, news that Ancelotti was, uh, was, was being let go. I think 74% of those polled said it was a mistake. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo sent out a tweet saying, I hope this man is here next season. Um, and it said they go with, uh, with Rafa, who I think is a very curious choice because managing Real Madrid is a lot about being diplomatic and flexible and accepting people from upstairs, giving you advice and massaging the egos of uh, highly paid divas and superstars. And those aren't exactly Rafa Benitez's. Um, they're not really in his locker. It's not wrong, wrong. Did you not watch him while he was at Chelsea and dealt with all the abuse he got there with serenity and calmness and dignity? No, I watched Rafa Benitez over the weekend um, with his team needing a win, uh, taking off his best player, uh, Iguain, at, at halftime. And I sort of tried to imagine what would happen if he ever took Cristiano off uh, at halftime. Um, no, I don't think. And the other thing about, yeah, at Chelsea, he knew he was only there for six months. It's a totally different situation. Same at Real Madrid, normally. They all, they all loved him so much that John Terry, of course, uh, dedicated his championship-winning thoughts to Rafa. So, yeah. Ronaldo be there next season? I don't know. I, I've been told that one out of Ronaldo or Bale won't be there next year. I don't really believe that because it's not. It's just all third-hand stuff. But put it this way, if Rafa Benitez is there, it would be better if Bale, Cristiano, you know, you can have one of those dudes there, but you can only have so many passengers, and Rafa doesn't stand for passengers, and probably rightly so. Right, that's all we have time for this week uh, on what was the penultimate game podcast of the season. You're looking at me funny, Allison. Yes, we're having another one with a few select inside in, invited guests. Is that right, McGuire? Many thanks to my guests today, Allison Rudd, Clive Petty and James Scowcroft, who comes in from very, very far away. Check out thetimes.co.uk on whatever digital device you prefer to use. Uh, members get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. If you're not a member yet, you can take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Time Sport online. Like we said, we'll be back next week for the very last game podcast of the season. Bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, it's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross. 
Wires, which is taking place in some really amazing venues across Sheffield from the 31st of May to the 2nd of June. So other podcasters that you'll be able to see include Katie Price, Catherine Ryan, Ramesh Ranganathan and the original Adam Buxton. But there's also a whole host of free fringe events, family shows, surprise acts and after parties that Jane and I haven't yet been invited to. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information.